Guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of The Arsenio Buck Show. In today's episode 21, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you become what you study. Literally. Guys, I can say this from a personal development standpoint. The first book, the first real book I picked up was the Napoleon Hill's Law of Success. Paulo Coelho's Alchemy, that was just a story about a boy. Didn't really even finish it. I got to like probably 85% done. But after that, subsequently... I ended up reading Jack Canfield's Success Principles, Lisa Nichols' Abundance Now, Dale Carnegie's How to Stop Worrying and Start uh, Living, uh, The Secret to Living and Influencing People, obviously by Dale Carnegie, Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits, Stephen Covey's Speed of Trust, uh, obviously the Robert Kiyosaki book. I know I'm missing a couple of others. Uh, I mean, I have literally become... What I am, and this is the problem with school, is because you often become what you study. That's exactly what you are. So standard skill, I mean, like standard studying, standard school, standard education breeds standard results. So if you study cooking, you become a chef. If you study the law, you become an attorney. Study auto mechanics, you become a mechanic. See, the mistake in becoming what you study is that too many people forget to mind their own business. They spend their lives minding someone else's business and making them rich. So, guys, to become financially secure, a person needs to just mind their own business. Your business revolves around your asset column, not your income column. As stated earlier, the number one rule is to know the difference between an asset and a liability and to buy those assets, right? The rich focus on the asset columns, while others focus on, obviously, the liability column. You know what? It's kind of like these people. These people always say, I need a raise. Let me give you an example. I'm that person, right? So, to keep these people happy, the people who I've been working with, uh, and you know, you know, this is how I, of course, I could live in Thailand, uh, I have to put in a certain amount of hours. Do they pay me what I'm worth? Absolutely not. But it keeps me in Thailand. Now, do I know what I'm capable of? Yes. How? Well, you know, working at the likes of Honda, the biggest banks, Japanese company over here, Toshiba over here, manufacturing company over here, lots of places that I've had, even Bear Thai. Guys, Bear Thai is the number one leading technology review company in all of Thailand and one of the biggest Will Smith was just on the show I was like you son of a bitch oh but you guys are like okay well what about Bear Thai well guys I taught there for 50 hours you know who I met I met the number one most famous musician in all of Thailand uh he was a composer and a writer uh I met you know some of the biggest people I'm talking about famous people I didn't even know who existed but then there they were. The CEO of the company, he's the one that interviewed Will Smith. And it was a really fun interview and everything. And I'm just like, Will Smith came there a week later. A week later. After my specific project had ended and he never told me. You know, we were supposed to do a podcast together. Uh, but of course, he is obviously the CEO of a techno you know, technology company. It's ridiculous. But here I am standing at one of the platforms in the middle of the CBD and on these three giant monitors right on one of the biggest shopping centers in all of Thailand, there goes a massive advertisement of Bear Thai. 
And there goes the CEO that people, hundreds of thousands of people see him every day. And I'm like, dude, he's actually, I'm close to him. And I'm close to all the people I saw on that video. And they don't know that. So what does that mean? Well, it's because they pay me double than what I get paid. But again, it's still in the income, right? Okay, working at the Japanese company, they pay me triple the amount plus a bonus, but it's still an income. I'm building up that reputation, yeah, because, well, you know, getting the likes of Honda and getting, you know, a couple of companies on the outskirts of town and doing this and doing that, people are beginning to know who I am. All it takes is a little bit of Toyota, a little bit of Mitsubishi, and then boom, I'm in. Arsenio, what's your schedule look like today? Okay, well, I got this company, this company, and this company. That's all I need. How much are you going to get? Holy shit! That's crazy. Yeah. That's just one day. Again. But that's the income. And a lot of people, a lot of you are saying, I need to raise. If only I had a promotion. But when you, once you get a promotion, your expenses will go up. I'm going back to school to get more training. So I can get a better job. I'm going to work overtime. Maybe I can get a second job. The, these Maybe in some circles, these are sensible ideas, but it's a bunch of bullshit. I get it. In the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, our parents had to work double hours. My mom was one of those who had worked two jobs. I remember being home during summer. I can't remember if it was 1996 or 1997. Had to be one or the other. And I never saw my mom. I missed her. I had to stay up till about 11 at night to see my mother. Because I just never saw her. She was working double shifts. Guys, that's not how the world is anymore. If you work double, you're losing way more time and you're still getting paid minimum amounts of money. Yes, a lot of people need to, though. I got it. But to do that on a consistent basis for 50 years is fucking ridiculous. I think we can agree to that. Here's a quote. Financial struggle is often the result of people working all their lives for someone else. That's exactly what my mother was doing. You're still not minding your own business. All of these ideas still focus on the income column, just as these wonderful achievements that I am just grasping one after another. You know, a lady had contacted me. She's like, listen, if you could just speak some basic Thai, I got myself a VIP van. This van will take the three of us up north, probably about two and a half hours, and you will do some training at this place, and over here and over there will pay you crazy amounts of money. Is it more money than what I'm getting paid right now? Obviously, yes. It's increasing the income column, but with the income column, my expenses are not going to go up. My liabilities are not going to go up. That's going to be going into the asset column. That's right. I'm going to be able to push out even more loyalties, probably create a couple of advertisements or do this or do that. You see what I'm, do you see what I'm doing? See, the primary reason the majority of poor and middle class people need that extra money and want that extra job is so they could buy extra things. That's it. And a lot of them, and in the end, when you talk to them about assets, they said, I can't afford the risk. I can't afford to take the risk. Is you know, it's just having that no financial find out, you know, that foundation. So what happens is a lot of people put themselves in that deep financial trouble. And then when they run short of income, next you know, they start complaining. To see, to raise cash, they sell their assets. That's what my mom did. Well, actually, it was a liability. It was a car just sitting in front of her home back in 2003. But she sold it because, of course, she didn't have the the money, the liabilities that she would have to put into the car to make it work was slim to none. So she sold it. But again, it was just to raise cash. 
and guess what? Those personal assets, it, they could, it, it, it was sold for a fraction of the value. 2500 she sold it for. That fucking car was at least 7000 US at the time. 2003. It was like a Bronco that she had gotten from my grandpa, Emil Santana. He spoke no English. My grandpa on my mother's side, he speaks no English. He's straight Puerto Rican, right out of Rio Pierdas. It's crazy. But nonetheless, let's focus here. That's what happens when you become desperate. To raise that cash, you will do whatever it takes. This is what happened during the 2008 financial crisis. People were like, oh my God, this is going down and down and down. I'm going to hurry up and sell. They sold it for just a little bit. And the podcast you guys are probably going to be hearing in a couple of weeks if you follow me over there. I know my folks in Ashburn, Virginia follow me over there. Um, it's about the great financial crisis. And Mark Baum and his associates of this company, they were sitting at the table. And one of the guys was you know, pitching to him, hey, we should sell our things. We could get 30 cents on the dollar. Not bad. And Mark was like, we're worth way more than that. He's like, listen, but that, not if there's not a market. And obviously you can see where that conversation was going. So to just put that into perspective, when you when you think of, oh, oh well, you know, I'm going to sell this, but I'm only going to get a piece of it. Hey, well, you know that you kind of put yourself in that hole. So again, you sell your assets or whatever, and if you're selling it under the table like my mom did, all right. But if you sell it through something, government's going to take its share, especially if you're selling a house. And that is why I say someone's net worth is worth less than what we think. See, people in general, start minding your own business. Keep your daytime job. That's cool. That's what I got. That's what I got. But see, the daytime job, I'm just covering uh, overhead expenses. That's it. That's all that job does. What I do outside that daytime job, that's where I make the increase in amounts that I put into the asset column where I build up that asset column. Does that make sense? Start buying real assets, not right, not, not liabilities or personal effects that have no value. I'm talking about the materialism. See, because a new car loses nearly 25% of the price you pay for it the moment you drive it off the lot. Did you know that? Keep your expenses low. Reduce the liabilities. Be diligent about the money you have. That, you know, building those sol- that, that solid foundation of assets. See, for young people who have not yet left home, it is important for parents to teach them the difference between an asset and a liability. Remember, you guys probably have already heard that little 10-minute 10, 10 Instagram TV snippet about these dumb, you know, the American, you know, you know the, the newspaper and all that stuff. And they're saying, oh, well, I don't want to buy a house because of this, because of that. Well, no, you don't want to buy a fucking house because you believe that unless you're going to rent it out, you're losing money. It's a liability. But they don't learn that you don't learn about financial education within the household unless you got a father like Robert Kiyosaki, unless you got a rich mother or a poor mother. <sighs> Start building it before you leave, before you get married, before you buy a house, before you have kids, before you get st- all these risky financial positions that we could get stuck in, clinging onto a job, buying everything on credit. And so many young cu- couples, they completely fall apart because they go straight into debt. So. And saying that, if you have a son, if you have a daughter, if you have anyone, even if you're listening to this and you would like to translate it into your language, go ahead and do it because you're going to be helping a lot of people out there in your country. And of course, you're going to have a, well, you're going to have a brand now. 
teaching about financial education. See, you become what you study. Just remember that. Stay tuned for more, people. Got an action-packed week coming up. That's right. We got Adriana of Australia, and we got the beautiful author by the name of Yvette Rose coming onto the podcast. These are high-level, high-energy podcasts, and they're going to be fire and provides you with a lot of punch. So, guys, stay tuned. I'm your host, as always, over and out.